to the MEC English Service Podcast. For more resources or information about our church, Mideast Evangelical Church, visit mec.church. Can you all stand for the scripture reading, please? Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it? This is commendable before God. To this you are called, you are called but because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his, in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not reta- retaliate. He, he, when he suffered, he made no threats, and said he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He became bore our sins and his family on the cross, so that we might die to sins in life and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you, are, for you were the sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Of your souls. All right. Um, so, if you're a member of society in 2019, um, you might be thinking, slaves. Awesome. Um, this is. I, I think that if if you don't take a closer look when you come across these passages, it's really easy to see why the rest of the world sometimes is like, "Wow, this is why religion is backwards and messed up and regressive and all of these messed up things." Right? Is because there's passages in this Bible of ours that talk about slaves, and they don't talk about it necessarily in a negative light. Right? Usually, like in modern society, whenever like slavery comes up, people are like, "Yeah, remember how bad that was?" But here we have this text where the author is saying. Well, slaves, obey your masters. Like, this is how the text starts out. Probably not a super popular message for um, liberated modern society. Um, but like I said, if we take a closer look um, at the text, then I think that there's some, some goodness that we can get out of this. I'm going to move this because it's tall. Um, so it's really important to note that um, in Greco-Roman society, there were layers of slaves. Now, depending on who, which scholarship you're reading, um, they could be like they could break this down differently. But it, as far as like general population, you had you had free peasants who were like we're talking about the lower classes. There was naturally like the merchant class and the landed gentry and all of these other people. But when we're talking about the lower class, we have free peasants. People just barely scraping by a living, barely able to stay afloat, barely able to feed themselves and their families. Um, And naturally, some of their freedom was limited just economically. Um, And then you had household slaves, which would have been these, these servants, these slaves that worked in the house of someone who was wealthier. Now, when I say servants or slaves, it's kind of like a... It's really hard to say which is a more accurate term for it because depending on the master, there were some households where the slave was like a member of the family and there were other households where the slave was definitely a piece of property, all depending on how the master would have treated the slaves. And this is for that class called household slaves. Now, um, other than the household slaves, there were also other classes. There were the slaves that worked in the fields, um, which would have been um, a, a significantly more harsh. And then the worst... Um, slave sentence a person could have would be to work in the mines, right? This is, you had the shortest life expectancy and they worked you the hardest when you were in the mines. Odds are 
Peter is talking not to the field slaves and the mine slaves. Um, and there's some pretty good reason to think ab- uh, about this. Um, if you look at the regions he's addressing and the type of people he's addressing in his letter, you'll notice that the, he's after this, he talks to husbands and wives. And this is part of what a Greek letter would call household codes. So in household codes, you don't talk about the people on the farms or the people on the mines. It's the people who are functioning in a normal household. Um, And the regions that he's writing to, he's writing to these um, more urban centers. And so it's probably going to apply more to the household slaves. And here's the the thing that's really a trip. Um, Depending on the... Depending on the household that you're in, it, oftentimes household slaves actually had greater mobility and freedom than the free peasants because of the economic situation and because when they were these household slaves, they often had a lot more freedom because of their masters and the types of jobs that they worked in the house. Does that make sense? Now, nevertheless, still slaves. It's kind of a kind of a no-no in modern society. Um, now, that being said, um, it's not just that there are these, um, there's this continuum, but these household slaves, um, they had this greater freedom because they even had the ability um, to take some of their earnings because they received some sort of allowance, and they were able to take some of these earnings, set them aside, and eventually buy their own freedom, right? This is why oftentimes they had more freedom is because they had more more money available to them, that eventually there's actually records of some of these household slaves buying their freedom off of their masters. Um, In addition to that, um, if masters wanted, they could totally free their slaves. Like, there were legal provisions. You didn't have to be a slave for life. You could totally be freed if your master wanted to. Now, sometimes masters would free their slaves because they're jerks, um, because they would get old, and they'd be like, I don't want to feed you anymore. You're free. Um, and then the slaves naturally be released and be reduced to poverty and live a short life after that. Or if a servant worked his way up in the house and the master really liked the servant and there was actually a relationship that cultivated, then the master could free that slave and say, hey, you've been so great. We'd love you to stay on, but as a free person. Um, this could also happen. However, again, if you've met enough humans, you know that not all humans work the same, right? Like there might be some decent human beings and there might be some not so decent human beings. And this was not like an exception back in the first century in the regions of Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, Asia Minor, and Pontus. So um, with that, since you had different masters, they were viewed with this dual reality. They were both property and humans. So it's not as extreme as saying these are not human beings anymore, they're just property. Um, but it's not as free as just being human. They were like this, they walked this weird line of you are human beings, but we, we own you. Like, you're ours. We can do what we want with you. And generally, it wasn't just like the slave class that people felt this way about, but basically all of the lower class, people felt this way about them because the assumption in ancient society was if you are poor, it's because you've done something wrong or you haven't worked hard enough. If you are rich, it's because you are good and you work hard. Some of this theory still exists um, in 2019. This, uh, this idea still exists today that if people are poor or in a bad situation, it's because they, they earned it, right? But Peter speaks into this group of people and says, okay, let me give you some wisdom. Now, um, it's important to note that 
If you read this, just this first line, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not to only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And this is the point where like every like free person should like flip the table and be like, let's stop reading this book. Um, especially because you could sort of imagine, like imagine, um, imagine just a couple hundred years ago, like Christian people who owned other humans could say, like they could quote this passage and be like, so obey me, right? This passage, that's the word of God, could be twisted and used as a tool to like repress and work against what God wants in the world. But it's important to note that this is not the intent of the passage. The intent of the passage is not to talk to masters about what their slaves should be doing. Who is, who is Peter addressing here? He's talking to the slaves, right? This isn't advice for masters. This is advice to people who find themselves in a situation of slavery, who find themselves in a, in a situation of unjust oppression. And, Paul, and Peter says, hey, this is what you got to do. You're in this position. And even though you're in this position, like work, work your booty off in reverent fear, not of your master, but in fear of God, Serve your masters, whether they're good or not. And I've got a couple of things that I want to point out that show that this isn't just like regressive backwards, old religion stuff that's, that he's saying here, but this is actually a different type of progressive if we look at the ancient societies and compare it to, to what Peter is saying here. So first, Peter is practical. In Craig Keener's, um, he's, a, he's a historian. He says, no ancient slave war was successful, and abolition was virtually impossible in his day, except through a probably doomed, bloody revolution. In this situation, it was far more practical for a pastor to encourage those in the situation to deal with it constructively until they could gain freedom. If you look at all of the slave revolts in the past, even if they were mildly successful for a minute, like shortly thereafter, what would end up happening is the slaves would be put down again, right? They'd be, they'd be subdued and sold back into slavery. Now, there's like some like little exceptions. For example, even this isn't like a slavery exception, but in the second century BC, the, the Jewish people were under the boot of the Greeks um, under um, a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a Seleucid king. And they had this amazing revolt. Um, and that's what Hanukkah celebrates, by the way, is when they cleanse the temple during this revolt. But yet literally one century later, they find themselves captured under Rome again. Right? And so Peter's aware, look, violent revolution will not buy you the freedom that you think it will. Right? It, one, lots of people are going to die. And two, it's probably not going to have the results that you wish it to have. And so Peter is saying, look, you're in this position, and I don't think you should go stabbing dudes. Like that, the, the, res, the answer to your situation is not to knife people. The answer to your situation is to do your best to, to work as hard as you can and maybe potentially gain your freedom through this hard work. Again, he's referring to those household slaves. And so in a way, like Peter is just trying to be like, look, I see where you are and I care about you and I sympathize with you. And because I sympathize with you, here's how you can deal. Here's how you can deal with your life. And I think that what's even more like progressive of Peter is, is this part. Um, he identifies slaves with who? This is the Sunday school answer. You can say it out loud. 
Jesus. In our hearts, the Bible. Um, He identifies slaves with Jesus. He says, look, if you bear up under this suffering, right, even if your master is evil, if you continue to work hard, even though the people above you are jerks, even though society is oppressing you, even if people don't view you as fully human, even if the whole world looks down on you, if you work hard and, and bear up under this thing, if you're able to sustain this, you are an example to the rest of the world of what Jesus looks like. Not only is he saying, hey, our God understands you, but in, if you look at the, the terminology he uses there, he says, you are an example. You, the slaves, are an example to everybody else to know what God looks like. And when we, when we see this example, like it's, it's one thing for us to think of it in modern times, but in ancient society, they were very status conscious, right? Like you think that, like the fighting for homecoming queen or queen is like vicious, but like the, uh, in that society, like if you were upper class, middle class, lower class merchant families, like who you married, who you hung out with, who you ate meals with, all of these things determined how important you were, how good you were, how accepted you were. And so to their society, who you identify with, that, that gives you your value. And what we have here is God himself saying, you want to see who I identify with? You want to see who's on my team? You want to see who, who are the people that I hang with? It's the slaves. And not only the slaves, but the ones who are mistreated for no good reason. I identify with those who are stepped upon. I identify with those who uh, like have no voice, who are treated like property. Right? And, and Peter points to Jesus' example. And, and think about what Jesus did. Right? Um, he's, he's giving them giving them a new narrative that says, look... Society treats you one way, but I'm going to treat you a different way. Uh, one time at a Team Awesome Night, we were talking about women um, in ministry and some of those things. Um, but the same principle applies here. Um, if you look throughout the, the history of Scripture, what you'll see is there's something called a trajectory, or like some authors will call it the redemptive, the redemptive movement hermeneutic. Um, hermeneutic is just a fancy way of saying interpretation. Everyone, repeat after me. Hermeneutic. Um, next time you want to like sound smarter, um, in a conversation and be like, mm, my hermeneutics are on point. Um, which like, it doesn't just apply to the Bible. It's really interpretation in general. Like when you're at the movies, um, and you're sitting next to that person that you're like, not sure if you're friends or not. Um, and they like sigh and let their hand rest on the armrest. And you're like, does that mean I'm supposed to like hold their hand? Or does that mean like they just like wanted to spread out and rest when you're making that decision? You're, you're doing hermeneutics, right? You're interpreting what's going on there to figure out what's the intended meaning behind it. And so this is what we do with scripture. We use hermeneutics. We, uh, we identify what's going on there and say, what's the meaning that's being communicated here? And so if you look 2,000 years BC and looked at the Canaanite culture and how they treated slaves, not so good. Um, they, like the humanity piece of them is not so much there and they could totally just be killed. Um, if they wanted to. Most of them were oftentimes taken in as prisoners of war, um, and you could kill them, use them as property, do what you want with your slaves. And then Moses comes along um, and says, here's what God's law is. God says that if you are a slave, um, there's some regulations and rules of how you need to be treated. 
right? Masters, this is what happens if you mistreat a slave. Masters, this is what happens if you try to take someone else's slave as if it were, they were your property. If you do have a slave and they have a family, this, here are some protections for the family of that slave. So in the Canaanite culture, um, you have like this negative view, but then under, under Moses, they're elevated, and, and like you see this through scripture that like each of the steps along the way, you have, you have the culture at large and then the scriptural account elevating the status of these people groups. Um, this applies to slaves. This applies to women. Um, each step along the way, these underprivileged groups, this applies to like foreigners and outsiders. Um, each step, they're elevated. They're given more power. They're, they're redeemed. They're set, um, God continually elevates their status in society. And so when you look at it, you end up observing that there's this trajectory that points to where it's all going. So in, in Peter, you see that he's saying, hey, you guys, yes, you're slaves. But guess what? You are an example of God himself. You are an example of Jesus Christ to the world. Now, I know that um, for most of you, like you probably aren't struggling with slavery in your everyday life, right? You're not, probably not struggling with either like keeping slaves, which like we could argue about modern day slavery and economic slavery and where you got those shoes. Um, but <laughs> most of us are not struggling with that, even though you should a little bit. Um, but what you will come across is people who say, oh, you're a Christian, yeah, you know the book that makes it okay to have slaves? Nice, bro. Um, to which you can say, you know what? It's actually kind of the opposite. It's, it's this book that led us toward, like it's, it's the foundation that led us toward liberating slaves, right? It's the, it's the intellectual and spiritual foundation that lets us know that, no, this is where the story is going. It's going towards freedom for all people, whether they're Greek or Jewish or slave or free or male or female, this is where this story is leading. It's not a backwards regressive book, but it's a book that is progressive towards freedom for all human beings. This is where scripture leads us. And um, at the heart of it, we have Jesus who says, you know what? I'm going to take your systems and I'm going to flip them upside down just to show you how upside down and level this play, playground is. Because Jesus is, the, is one of the people of the Trinity, Yes like existent from eternity past, um, in perfect communion with God um, as God. And what Jesus does, what Christ does, is he comes down into human form. And so first, he, he descends and like is born as a little tiny poor baby laid in animal poop, right? And then he's raised as a poor Jewish boy who grows up in this, like, in this messed up part of the world in, under the boot of one of the most powerful empires of all time. So we have the creator God of the universe in human flesh, right? He, he descends, he gives that up because he wants to show us, hey, I have a different way that things are supposed to function. And not only does he descend that one time, but then he descends even further by allowing himself to be killed, and does he throw any punches in the process? Does he fight back? Does he like do some like god ninja moves where he like stabs some guys on his way to the cross? No, like he takes it. All to show us, hey, if anyone has any right to assert themselves over someone else, if anyone has the right to be like I'm better than you. If anyone has any right to do that, it would be Jesus. 
And Jesus sets the example and says, we don't play that game here. The kingdom of God doesn't work like that. You are not better than other people. Let me show you how serious I am about this idea. I'm going to live it out for you even though I don't deserve it. I'm going to embody this equality even to death so you can see that I value everybody, slaves and free, men and women, whatever race, wherever you come from, I value everybody. And this suffering servant is the word that, that Peter uses or like it's the chapter that he borrows from in the book of Isaiah. Now, um, with, wait, there it is. Um, with this, I think that you, oftentimes when we think about like suffering, um, I think that any time then we automatically are like, cool, so any time I'm suffering, uh, any time I go through something difficult, any time I experience bad times, I'm just like Jesus, right? Because I'm suffering, Jesus suffered, we're on the same page. And I, I love Peter because he kind of like anticipates that maybe some people will feel this way. And so he says, it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So just because you're suffering does not mean that you're, you're like Jesus. Because it could be that you're suffering because you were a jerk, right? It could be that people are picking on you because you were mean to them. It could be that people at work like, don't like you because you're kind of abrasive, it could be that maybe your boss wants to fire you because you don't do your job. It could be that you have bad grades, not because the teacher's a jerk, but because you don't do your homework, right? Like, sometimes we experience suffering at our own hands. And Peter's like, I get it. That's going to happen sometimes. I'm not talking about that, right? You can totally learn from that. But I'm not saying you're like Jesus if you don't do your homework and you suffer for it. But you are like Jesus if you work hard and you still don't get it. You are like Jesus when you do your best and your boss still hates you. You're like Jesus when you turn in all your work on time and it's like A plus material and your teacher says, nah, C minus. You're like Jesus when you're literally better than everyone else on the field and the coach still cuts you, right? When you do your best and when you are doing what's good and you experience suffering, when you experience rejection, when you experience people over you taking advantage of you and looking down at you, in those moments, like those can be some of the most painful moments. Because when, when you know you deserve the beating, you're like, I earned this. Like there's a little bit of you that like it hurts still, but there's a little bit of you that's like, yeah, this is mine. I deserve this. But it's when you don't deserve it that sometimes it hurts the most. And Peter speaks into that situation and says, hey, if you're in that place, I get it. It hurts. But you know who really understands you? the creator of the universe. He was like the, the most epic person to be in that situation. And he is by your side saying, I get it. This is so hard. I identify with you. And not only that, but he's like, you're like me. You look like me right now. When I went to the cross, like you're living out what I did for all humanity. When you continue to do well, when you continue to do good, when you continue to love and be kind and just, and merciful, and you still don't win, and you still don't get the promotion. He says, I'm with you, and you're modeling what it looks like to be like me for good, for what's right. 
And so when we read scripture, I think that it's important to be aware of our lenses. Um, when we put on, when you put on a pair of glasses, like it, it changes the things that you see, right? When you put on, like if it's sunglasses, it darkens the whole room. Like everything looks like a different shade. Um, when you when you wear prescription lenses, like it changes, um, it changes the way that you see the rest of the world for the better. Let's hope um, if you have a good prescription. Um, but when when we approach scripture, sometimes we wear lenses. And I think that sometimes that lens is, I'm, I'm the victim. I'm the right one. I'm the person um, who is getting the comfort right now. And I, I want to just caution you before we move forward. There's only one more point I, wa- I have. But when you approach scripture and you always assume that you're the good guy, you might be looking at scripture with the wrong kinds of lenses on. Um, because I think that like when we read a passage like this, like our default is to be like, okay, how do I identify with the slaves that are being talked about? How do I identify with these people who are being oppressed for no good reason? Yeah, Peter's talking to me. But could it be that you're not in this part of the text? Could it be that you're one of the ones who like, no, you were dumb and you got, you're getting a beating for being dumb? Or like maybe you are the one who's receiving this. But then there's one... Like, in the household code, um, I didn't see any commentaries on this, so, like, don't take this to the bank. This isn't doctrine. Um, but I, I noticed that in, like, Paul, Paul's writings, he'll, like, talk about parents and children, husbands and wives, um, ruling figures and the people ruling under, and under the ruling figures. In this one, he talks to the slaves, but, um, hey, who's missing from this text? Masters. Notice that he doesn't talk to the masters. And I thought, like, why isn't he talking to the masters? Like, he's addressing this letter to all the Christians in this region, and he only talks to the slaves. Um, And this is why I'm like, maybe this isn't doctrine. But it makes me wonder if Peter, when he's writing this, he's like, why would I have to address masters who are Christians? That shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing that I have to tell my brothers and sisters in Christ to stop owning people. It shouldn't be a thing that I have to tell other people who are Christians to not abuse their slaves. Like, they shouldn't even have slaves. So, like, Peter, he definitely, like, in the next text you'll see, um, next week we'll get into, like, husbands and wives and men and women. Um, And he addresses both sides there. But here he's just like, slaves, let me give you some help. And then he moves on. He doesn't even address the masters. And so it makes me wonder, like, if, if that's the case, then, like, maybe since he's talking to the exiles, since he's talking to the wandering people of God who don't belong to the systems of the world, he was like, hey, if you own slaves, if you participate in systems of injustice, you're obviously not a member of the kingdom. Because if you were, then your, your, like, way of viewing things would be a realigned, that that's not the reality. And I think that this is why I wanted to talk, I talked about the lens thing, is I think that sometimes we relate with the slaves and we forget the fact that we also have been given power, right? We also have the ability to abuse power over other people. 
like one of like one of the things that I think is so amazing about like our church is it seems like it's filled with incredibly brilliant people with like really bright futures, which I think is a cool thing. Um, but what this means is that like either you are currently in a position of power over other people, or you're probably on a fast track to being there someday. And when you wield that power, like I think that when we read passages like this, we shouldn't automatically be like, ooh, yeah, I'm like the slaves, but then wonder, am I like the masters that are left out of this text? Am I the one with the whip? Am I the one who's oppressing the other people? Right? Am I the one who is using my situation of privilege and power to make other people experience suffering? And I think this happens in a lot of different ways. Like in the workplace, like if you're a supervisor, it's really easy to make this happen if you don't like someone who's under you. Or if people view you as cool or pretty or popular, like you know that that comes with power, that then you can kind of be a jerk to people and get away with it in society. Like that, that's one of the privileges that comes with being that type of person. And maybe Peter's having to write people like that you've hurt and be like, hey, yeah, when that person was mean to you, like you're like Christ and I'm not even going to address them because maybe they're not in the family. And so let's not have the lens that automatically assumes that we're the victims, that automatically assumes that we're the good guys. But let's like when we read the text, be like, could I be the bad guy here? Am I, am I missing the boat? Like, am I identifying with the wrong side of this battle? Maybe take off the lenses when you read the text and think, have I used my own power to make other people's lives worse? Have I used my position, my, like, group of friends, my influence over people to make other people's lives worse? And then think, like, the creator of the universe relates with them, not you, if you've done that. And so let's take a, a minute just to close up in, in prayer. I'll have the band come back up and we'll sing one last song together. Um, but let's, let's pray together. Um, I'll give you a couple of seconds just to uh, think individually and talk to God silently. I mean, in this time, I want you to think, um, are you more like the slaves or the masters? First, think in terms of, of the slaves. Have you experienced suffering and injustice even though you do the right thing? Have you experienced pain even when you try to do what's good? Do you experience rejection even when it's for being faithful to God? I want you to talk to God about that right now, but what I, I know that Peter says um, on behalf of God to you is that Christ is with you. Christ identifies with you. And if you continue to bear under it and do good, that you are an example to the world of Christ. now I want you to examine yourself um, in the ways that you have power. Even if you're young, 
um, the ways that you have power over others, whether it's younger siblings or your friend group or at your school or in your class or in your workplace, in your, um, in your relationships in general, the places that you have power. I want you to think of those and think, have you used that power for evil? Have you used that power selfishly and increased the suffering of others? Take a little time to examine your own heart. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to search us, to know our hearts to examine our thoughts. God, I pray that you would convict us of the areas where we fall short and where we are the oppressors, the mistreaters. And God, we also um, ask for the comfort of your spirit for the times that we are the mistreated, the oppressed. God, help us um, to be a people that embodies and lives out your calling, that embodies and lives out what it looks like to be you here on this earth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.